So if you grew up in the Catholic Church like me, or if you were Episcopal or Lutheran or Presbyterian, I'm guessing the following may ring a bell for you. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only begotten Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and buried. He descended into hell. He descended into hell. On the third day, he arose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven. And he sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. And he will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. The Apostles' Creed. Now, what many of us did not realize is that there was a full 40 days between these two lines in that creed. On the third day, he arose from the dead, and then he ascended into heaven. A full 40 days between those two lines. That means, ladies and gentlemen, that Ascension Day was actually last Thursday. Did you all celebrate it? (laughs) No. Me neither. But Ascension Day is a national holiday in Europe. Schools, banks, and post offices are all closed. However, in this country, it is largely a non-event. And the loss, I conclude, is ours. In fact, considering what is happening today in our world, I think Ascension Day, now more than ever, is critically important. So let's take a closer look at this. He rose from the dead. Forty days later, he ascended into heaven. A period when the resurrected Christ, during those 40 days, walked the earth, making one ghostly appearance after another, two of which I preached on last April, Doubting Thomas and the Road to Emmaus. So when the curtain opens up on today's story from the book of Acts, Jesus is preparing to ascend to heaven. That is, he's preparing for takeoff. Now, whenever I read this story, I remember the very first movie that my parents took me to. I was just seven years old at the time. And unlike the theaters today, where there are eight small screens, back then there was just one show, one glorious show, on a screen that was two stories high. And I'll never forget that day. It was life-changing for me. When the big velvet curtain opened up, there she was, Mary Poppins with her umbrella. There she was floating down to earth, coming to teach people how to live, how to be faithful and kind and just. I was smitten. And then there were all the miraculous things that Mary did while she was on this earth, like sliding up the banister or jumping into Bert's cement chalk drawings and being transported with the kids to an animated countryside the place where penguins served tea, where carousel horses unhitched and went for real fox hunts. Does anybody here remember how Mary folded the laundry? She didn't. She threw it up in the air and it folded itself and landed neatly in the drawers. My sister and I tried that the next morning and my mother was not impressed. (laughs) 
And of course, there were all those wonderful songs, and that's how Mary really brought healing and hope to the Banks family. Songs like Just a Spoonful of Sugar Help the Medicine Go Down in a Most Delightful Way, or my all-time favorite, Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. Mary Poppins said that word is something we say when the cat has our tongue. Something we say when we have an experience that is nonsensical. A graceful experience that transcends words. Like at the end of the movie when she gathered the Banks family together and said her final goodbye. And then opening up her trusty umbrella one last time, she floated up into the sky, never to be seen again. Well, something very similar like that happened in today's reading from the book of Acts. When the big velvet curtain opens up, the risen Jesus has gathered his disciples together for the last time. For the past 40 days, he had been with them, teaching them how to live, how to be faithful and kind and just. A full 40 days where he floated in and out of people's lives doing miraculous things, but now it was time to say goodbye. And just like the Banks family, his disciples were having a very hard time accepting it. They say to him, in effect, you can't leave now. Who will usher in God's kingdom? Who will finish your work on earth? To which Jesus replies, forget when and where, because from now on, guys, it's up to you. A week from today on Pentecost Day, the Holy Spirit will come to you, and you will be my witnesses throughout all the earth. And with that, Jesus was lifted up and disappeared in a cloud. At which point, I like to believe the stunned disciples, still looking toward heaven, declared in unison, supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. Now, artists have tried to capture that moment for hundreds of years. There's paintings in museums all over the world. My favorite hangs in the Metropolitan Museum of Art in New York City. It was painted in 1513 by Hans von Klumbach. I sent it out yesterday in my Saturday email blast. Instead of a full-body image of Jesus, the artist simply painted his feet sticking out of the clouds, and I love it. When I look at it, it makes me smile, it brings me joy. But you know what? It also brings me profound hope because it contains a double meaning that is ever, ever so helpful, especially today. And the first is about blessing. A blessing to all of us from on high. It's the comforting news that wherever we are and whatever is happening in our lives, he is up there watching over us. It's the comforting news that when life falls apart, when the test comes back positive, Jesus, our brother and our Lord, is up there watching over us. That one who lived our life, who experienced our humanness, who hoped and dreamed and died and rose, who, as the old creed puts it, went to hell and back. He's up there watching us. But it doesn't end there. The second message of the ascension is the commission, and that's super important. It's a reminder that ascension day is not simply a bon voyage to Jesus. It's not simply upward in focus. Unfortunately, we get so caught up in the drama of this passage, we miss that. 
So I want to read the key verse of this story to you, which I think is the most important verse in the whole passage. After Jesus had ascended, two angels appear, and when they see the disciples, they say, men and women of Galilee, why are you standing there still looking up? They're asking us that question too. Men and women of Center Church, why do you stand there still looking up? Men and women listening to the Center Church podcasts from all over the country and other countries like Germany and the UK, why do you stand there looking up? Go out into the world and restore his kingdom. Speak out against politics and religion that is selfish and science-denying. Go out into the world and be his body. Bring healing and hope, justice and mercy to others in his name. Stop looking up. One of my favorite theologians, the late, great Karl Barth, wrote that he rediscovered the doctrine of the ascension when Nazism was spreading all over the face of Europe, how it comforted him, but it also empowered him to organize what was called the Confessing Church. A group of ministers and lay people got together and they said, to hell with Hitler, we're going to change this, and they did it. It was a church committed to restoring God's kingdom on earth, where God, not Hitler, is the higher power where God alone has the power and the glory forever and ever, and that's because Bart rediscovered the doctrine of the ascension. So we have blessing on one hand, and we have commissioning on the other. That's the integrated beauty of this rising. So let's all remember to have faith in it going forward. Let's all do our best to accept the commission to embody the courage and compassion of the Christ as we heal the divisions of our country and our world together. And when the journey gets the best of us, which we all know surely does on occasion, that's the time to pause and take a moment and look up, to remember that you're not alone, that he's there watching over us, that he's there in spirit walking next to us to embrace the promise and presence that transcends words as we know them, that nonsensical time when the cat has our tongues, what the Bible calls speaking in tongues, the modern equivalent of supercalifragilisticexpialidocious.